Lola, sometimes I wish my grandmom or my grandfather was like all these like big time artists back in the day or maybe music producers. Sorry, what? <laughs> where is this? <laughs> I don't really understand. But it's not too late. You can always just, you know, pick up from where they may have left off. I say grandma, my grandparents, I can make money off them. But yeah, something like that. Because the way people have been sending their catalogs since pandemic, like it's been crazy and a whole lot of money has been made from it. Both artists, even record level guys, like I can literally decide, okay, today I want to cash out and I'll send sell the catalogs of the guys under me. So that's what I mean. Like if my parents were like, or my grandparents were like artists, I could have. So the Mandy, you've come again. Too. Like I've said, it's not too late. You can, I don't know, groom a friend <laughs> or a neighbor, <laughs> then do what you like with the catalog. So don't, don't count it out. There is still hope. Okay. There's hope. Hi guys. Welcome back to Legal Avenue podcast with Lola OJ and Mandy where we discuss everything legal and bring you up to speed on what you know about, what you need to know about the law that governs us all. Coming to you from a cozy studio, literally in the sunny, sunny part of Lagos with a little heat, bringing hot stuff to you. I'm chilling here. My name is Mandy and I'm chilling here with my beautiful co-host. Um, I don't know her name. Thank you, at least. The, the intro was nice. You did say beautiful, so I'll take that. So hi, guys. It's Lola OJ here again. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes, you already know what to do. Make sure you check them out when you're done with this one, of course. Ensure you subscribe, follow us on all social media platforms. And remember, guys, engage. Keep the conversation going after the podcast. Tweet at us. Send us a message. Drop us a comment. Just please share the work of our aunt because it's not easy, okay? please <laughs> absolutely and today we are not alone in the studio we have one hot good looking african king hey! in the studio with us today <laughs> and he'll be leading the conversation today so get your notepads out because it's gonna be definitely passing some knowledge first of all introduction we have the one and only mm. the biggest mm. oh mm. no not in nigeria mm. africa Okay. Music lawyer you ever gonna see hey. popularly known <laughs> as Akiemi Law. Wow, that introduction is heavy, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Man. You guys have been, you know, helping to spread out the word, amplifying why the legal aspect of things should be, you know, paid attention to. So Kudos on the great work you're doing. I'm happy to be here. This is a big, big opportunity. Aww. It so, just shows that all of our work, at least it's not it's not in vain. It's okay. not. It's Thank not, you. It's not. Yeah, and helping. also all the work you do. Come on. You, you toot our horn. Let us toot your horn. You mm. do a lot of work specific, or especially rather, um, to do with producers, songwriters. Yeah. And then normally the groups of people that kind of get left behind when the select, when the the actual artist is gone and blown exactly. you know, all, all the way across the world. It's normally the producers and songwriters that are sitting there like, ah, okay, what's, what, what's our own yeah. share? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So we're happy to have you here. We know you're going to be sharing more information and details about that. And guys, make sure, share your Instagram. Instagram handle they should follow you there's lots of information follow on there at Law on Twitter on Instagram I'm quite active on Instagram because uh, Twitter is a, <laughs> a hostile place <laughs> hostile environment yes it is so thanks for having me and uh, let's do this let's go let's go well quick question before we start something off a bit what about sound engineers 
Yeah, for now, I think my main focus is, um, you know, just aside the recording artists, I get all the shine because they're in front of the camera. And again, um, because you already get like all the juice, all the benefits from, you know, how Afrobeat is blowing up now. So I, th I think um, those who get the shorter end of the stick and I really, really need our attention like now, now, now the record producers and the songwriters. For sound engineers, a lot of them actually are not being oppressed, especially the ones that are maybe top tier or even second tier or third tier. They already get paid to do their work and a lot of them get by. But sure. it could get better yeah. uh, as compared to their counterparts abroad. Some of them do not get any kind of benefits by way of royalties. But in Nigeria, um, it will take a lot of work to introduce that. Outside of Nigeria, a lot of sound engineers already get points on, on productions, on the albums, and they're able to earn passive income from all these records that are doing well. So, yes, maybe in a, a couple of years, I would have okay, <laughs> some okay. more time for okay. sound engineers. But for now, I think the record producers and the songwriters are more deserving of our attention. Okay, okay. So, dear sound engineers out there, get ready. Your time or is Or some coming. other lawyer can just pick it up. <laughs> it's true. You guys yeah. are giving too much work, Zach. You hear exactly. me? Like somebody else. Some like other lawyer. Collabo and meet him start. halfway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you may have guessed from our discussion, my earlier discussion with Lola about our grandparents. Your grandparents. Okay, fine. My, <laughs> my grandparents, today we'll be discussing music catalogs and your sales in the industry at the moment so we're going to just jump into it mr kemi and just like dive into it so for the sake of those that don't really know what it means can you explain to us what music catalog means okay so um when you're talking to an actor you'll be like mm, you have a showreel a showreel would be you know just a quick glance at all the works uh, that the actor has done or the notable works that speak well of the actor. So in the same vein, if you're asking uh, a record producer or a recording artist or a songwriter, oh, what does the catalog look like? It is essentially asking to know what the body of work is, like a complete outline of all the works that they've helped create. And um, essentially that's what it is. How important will you say it is for record labels to maintain one? Yeah, because, um, you know, that is property. So I always tell people that they should look at records or songs as uh, real estate that generates rental income from time to time. So same thing, when you look at songs or you look at records, because they are different. From one song, you can create 10 records. So... Maybe we'll dive in deeper. So um, it, you should see them as assets. You should see them as property that can be owned, that can be traded, that can be commercially exploited, that can be transferred to your beneficiaries, to your estate. And um, that is why it is important to, from the jump, from the start of a career, you should keep your eyes on everything you create because that could be your saving grace many years down the line. As the, just let me paint a picture here. Think about what the catalog of Fela Nicola Kukuti is doing for, you know, the, the 
two generations of time. Very true. That's big. And I think I love the fact that you said assets because there are a lot of things, I mean, in the legal space that we speak about being assets, where people find it hard to believe that things like a music catalog can be an asset. But as you've said, it's something that you can pass on. Exactly. So, of course, it's an asset. So, yeah, guys, pay attention to the words that he's using here. Very, very accurate. So what I would say is um, music catalogs, are they accessible to the public? And what exactly is the essence of maintaining them? So um, anytime music is being enjoyed outside of the confines of your room as uh, you know as a music lover you, you sitting there in your room you enjoy music anytime music is being commercially exploited outside of that tiny space somebody's getting paid even with technology now um even every time you stream somebody's getting paid mm-hmm. so um it's like the way you consume other products. Music is also a product that is available to millions of people scattered globally by way of the digital revolution now, streaming. So every time you have access to somebody's music, you're actually touching the person's catalog. You know, you're enjoying it, you're having a nice time, you're using it to meditate, you're using it to pass time, you're using it to sleep. You're dancing to it at your wedding. Um, you're enjoying it at the, all kinds of social functions. Music is being enjoyed. The DJ is blasting at clubs, at restaurants, at shopping malls, everywhere in church. So um, you talk, you're enjoying somebody's catalog, and that's somebody or the people who own rights to the music catalog are getting paid from record labels to music publishers to songwriters to record producers to recording artists. There's a big pie that gets to be, um, you know, split in different, between different people who helped contribute to the making of that song and the record. So that is how you interact with the music catalog. And obviously it's public. It is just a phone away, a music app away you switch on Boom Play, or you switch on Apple Music or Tidal. They've not paid us for it. Yes, They'll pay some. <laughs> They'll pay some, really. So that is it. And then the owners of the assets, the owners of the music catalog, the owners of the copyright and the record and in the song must always be on the on, on, on top of their game to ensure that they are constantly protecting their rights in all these products. So what you find is, especially with some of my clients, um, they create music and then some other person somewhere, being mischievous, takes that music and probably goes ahead without any kind of permission or license. Then they put it on YouTube or they even put it on Apple Music. And you find that that happens to a lot of old, older catalogs. Yeah. Yes. Like a lot of uh, old generation musicians mm-hmm. from the 70s, 80s, 90s are suffering from that. So that's something. And I think the mere fact that you own property doesn't mean that you should go to bed and not, you know, enforce your rights. You should, you, you should also have a system in place to constantly defend your interest. It's just like you buy a plot of land in Banana Island and 
Then you just leave it there. You don't fence it. You don't do anything to show that <laughs> this is my property and I own it. One day you'll come and see what I've built. <laughs> exactly. On that property, right? So, so yeah. um, property rights, they are something you need to defend. You need to constantly pay attention to what is going on in the marketplace. How is my product been? Okay, so, so can I ask, right? Especially for those out there that don't really, this is the first time they're understanding what it means to have or understand what a music catalog is. So how do you go about, is it just, you'll just be fishing online? Do you have a team that looks out for it? Does it flag up? Does it, do you have an app that will show you where your music's being played? Like, how can somebody police it? Because you, you can't be everywhere. So, so how, how would you suggest ways in which they can see what's happening to their catalog? Okay, so like um, before the digital streaming revolution or the renaissance, where, you know, people consume music more, digitally than buying CDs and buying tapes and the likes. Although there's a growing culture of people still getting vinyls now. But, so, it used to be the case that you had to police Alaba markets in Nigeria. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or you have to be a popular Lagos hotspot in traffic to see who is selling your CDs and stuff like that. So that is that, that used to be the case. And um, although we still have pockets where things like that are still happening, but it's not really a thriving business anymore for these guys that sell CDs and cassettes or tapes. But um, in the streaming era now, through the power of tech, through um, certain applications and softwares, you're able to track music, because every song, every record has a DNA. And through tech, you can actually trace it. So there's what we call content ID uh, on different platforms who are able to source out the codes and flag music. You'll find that even when you use music on Instagram now, <laughs> yeah, you get notification that. Yeah, the truth is notorious yeah, in a good way. Exactly. <laughs> so on YouTube, if you're a content creator and you do not get proper permission, and use some people's music, they could bring down your channel. If they flag it down like one, two, three times, you could lose your channel. Yeah. While some other people are very relaxed, they would still allow you to use the song, but you won't be able to monetize it or you have to share some dollars with mm-hmm. uh, the owners of the music. So I think true content ID, um, there is that um, enforcement mechanism to constantly track your music catalog. I know there are some record companies in Nigeria, like Chocolate City, for example. You can't use their catalog anyhow. Like you can't even just upload it on blogs without you know authorization or permission. They would they would find it and then they'll bring it down. Well you said something earlier about older catalogs which i want to like throw more light on i had the production i was working on i think beginning of this year late last year and we are trying to find some old yoruba songs and then you realize that you go on youtube you find these songs but it's not the owners or it's not the guys that sang the song or even anybody in their family that uploaded the song so it's there but it's hard for you to track who owns the rights and i know we had to eliminate a lot of the songs because we couldn't find any publisher or any record label in charge well so moving on in our conversation, within last year and this year, let's say last year, I think 2020. This is a pandemic. 
since the pandemic, Luwain sold some of um a Young Money catalog during the pandemic. John Legend sold early this year his songwriting catalogs. So would you advise your clients? Is that something you advise your clients to do? And if yes, at what point do you think like this catalog can be let go of maybe through um let's say boring lending for a period of time or outright sale? So I think it is always a business decision. Like people, you know, you have to like analyze and, you know, come up with some deeper reasons. Your your decision making has to be found on proper logic. Although you get the guidance of your lawyers and your advisors or your publishers. But at the same time, I think people don't just sell their catalogs at a whim like that. Um, it is always a business decision that is hinged on uh, some people just want to sell their catalogs before they die because they do not trust mm-hmm. their kids you know, 100%. to do the right thing <laughs> to true. the catalog. I've and they, they would rather sell to um, maybe music publishers or investors who have a better understanding of what that catalog is. Now, let me paint a picture. Even outside of this, there are some celebrities from the 20s, 30s, 40s in America who have sold, before they passed, they sold the rights to their catalogs, the rights to their identity, like their trademarks, yes. to proper firms that that have a track record for exploiting those types of intellectual property assets. Same thing. Coming to Nigeria now, um, people would sell for different reasons. Like, let's take, for example, a very, very large family where there are like, you know, people who do not really see eye to eye or people who are not even inclined to do anything in music. Just imagine, oh, the guy was a legend in the 70s and the 80s, but none of the kids work in music or even care for music. Uh, Or maybe they left the country in search of a better life outside of Nigeria and they are not in touch in any way with their father's business or their father's catalog. So um, that is one reason you sell because you do not trust the judgment of the people that will be your beneficiaries when you pass. Another reason could be Okay, a lot of people are coming into the business with millions and millions of dollars or millions and millions of naira, and it appears that the market is at is at an all time high, yeah. and it is just best, you know, to make the to get the money to get the <laughs> to money grab now, the money and enjoy because, while exactly, you can. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so because what goes up will definitely come, come down, down at a point. Yeah. So there there will be different cycles or go higher. <laughs> I like your positive take on that. Optimistic. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But in the marketplace, there will always be down moments. So why not just cash out? Maybe you're in your thirties and your forties. You could still stick around. Like, anyways, I'm still alive for a long time. All things being equal, if you have good health and you know. So, you might just think, okay, let me stick around for like fifteen, twenty years. Let me see whether my catalog would have appreciated. If it depreciates, well, I don't care. Maybe my kids will get to benefit uh, when the market is high again. So 
Um, I think those are the two reasons I could think of now. It could be very fashionable to sell when the market is warming up to your catalog. Okay, so is there any instance that you would advise any of your clients, like, you know what, do not sell right now? Well, yeah, because in fact, in the last two years, a lot of people have been coming at some of my clients to entice them with sweet deals. and But I, I believe in building till a point that you're comfortable and they are not desperate. So building is when you start out, you have just two, three records in your catalog and maybe it is fetching like $1,000 every three months. And then somebody is coming with like $50,000 to, you know, give you as an advance, but you still have to give them like 20 records and um, you guys will co-own it in perpetuity. I do not think that's a good deal. If you have an entrepreneurial mindset, I think it's best. Why not just continue to build until you can earn like fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 every three months? I have some clients who already do that kind of number. And instead of just cashing out um, early, because you think, oh, this $1,000 a month is, this $1,000 every quarter is too small. Instead of cashing out 50, trust me, years down the line, you might live with the regret that you no longer have the power. Yeah. It's not bad to own your publishing, but there are deals where people actually lose it outrightly. The publishing interest is totally to the publisher and then you're left with the writer interest in your records, in your songs. So I think it's best to kind of like wait for as long as you can, wait for as long as you can, build it up and then make a a better decision when you have leverage. Because the leverage, you'll be able to ask for many things. You'll be like, oh, I don't want to sell my publishing. I'd rather co-own it. Mm-hmm. And it is all right to yes. co-own it because you still own it. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things that you hear that, oh, Jay-Z owns this, um, PDD owns this. It could just be 3% or 4% of <laughs> something massive. You still own it. <laughs> you still own it. You still count it as one of your assets. assets I think your I portfolio. really like when you said leverage because I'm very big on negotiation. And I feel like a lot of people, they do not know that they have Basically, if someone's coming to you, you have what they want. You have more power than you think. But when people see money, especially foreign currency, $50,000, $20,000, even $2,000 sounds like a lot to some people. But the truth is, if they're giving you that amount, they have a higher amount in their head. They're willing to go. That's not their their peak. (laughs) That is their starting price. And so I feel like when you said desperation, for me, don't ever do anything in life or stop period when you're desperate. Sit down. Have some time. Get out of that desperate state so you can make an informed decision. Because desperation, you make the worst life, business, exactly. family, anything decisions when you're desperate. So I, I think totally. I think it's very important you touched on those two things. Well, do you think this sale of catalogs, as we're seeing now in the industry, as it's growing, like it seems like almost everybody, especially like older guys, are jumping on it. Do you think it's going to affect the industry positively or negatively on a global level? And if it comes down to Nigeria, will it do the same? I think it helps. Um, I, I do not think an industry would lose out if there's a lot of value streaming in. 
the more money that comes in, the more money for music publishers, and those music publishers can use that money to sign new talents. And when they're signing new talents, they can give out more advance. The more money streaming in, uh, the more money for recording artists. Those recording artists could also step up. They could, you know, if they get thousands or millions of dollars, they could invest it in their own countries uh, by building things or by starting new companies. I think I think it's a good thing. But again, anyone who is a player in the marketplace should also have that understanding that there will be downtimes. But again, for example, now we're looking at Nigeria. If we get people uh, selling their catalogs and then they're, they're getting millions of dollars in checks, somewhere the Nigerian economy is going gonna, is gonna to be the better for it. It's going to feel it. So, <laughs> exactly. Roll with the big so, boys. <laughs> so that, that's, that's what it is. So it would be like, oh, songs are now foreign exchange earners because this guy just landed a, a deal where he sold his catalog or half of his catalog or a quarter of his catalog. By reason of that, now he's able to maybe build the studio, he's able to sign new producers, or even maybe he's able to diversify his portfolio. Now he's building houses somewhere in Lagos. The Lagos State Government would also make money from the taxes, from the perfection of the document. Some laborers will get paid to, the architecture will get paid, the engineers will get paid. There's more money flowing into the Nigerian economy. Uh, that's just an example. So I do not think at any time uh, millions of dollars being paid to owners of catalogs would amount to anything that would be negative to the Nigerian economy or to um, the the people that are getting paid. Come on, we can always use some extra dollars. Please. I know definitely if some millions of dollars are paid into my life. It cannot yes. be negative. And just look at if if you, if you if you guys are lawyers on the deal, you're also getting paid. So you can you, you can see it sounds very, very good to me. Exactly. So you can get a commission and live good uh, happily oh, ever after. My God. <laughs> If you could own any artist's music catalog at the moment, who would it be? Well, uh, it's going to be between Michael Jackson and um, Bob Marley. I think their catalogs would always be timeless. Lot of Tupac. I think um, that's a good one as well. But I think the impact of Bob Marley's music and MJ's music is going to be is going to be. It's going to stay colossal. It's going to be yes. Um, yes. impactful for many, many decades to come. What about Nigerian? Well, <laughs> Nigeria, like the, I think Fela Nicola Kuti is our biggest music star. I agree. Till date. Apart from him. We already know you are going to go there. <laughs> okay. So apart from him, um, who else? I think King Sonia Day's catalog is. And I knew you was going to say that, that would be up there for me as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ebenezer Obey, yep. um, Osita yep. Bay, even Chief Oliver the Cook. I think th- those those are classics. Mm-hmm. Those are body of works that. Yeah, I even say Kwam One join as well. Luke. Exactly. Because, <laughs> because. And he has a lot. K1 of, the Ultimate. Exactly. He has a lot. Ah, he has a he extensive has a lot of, um, music catalog. He has a lot of musical works that 
it is mind blowing that yeah. he is still quite active like that. Personally, I didn't know how big he was. In fact, I didn't even know about him before he came to Lagos. Serious? Okay, yeah. Coming from the east, yeah. You know, that we have, we have our. You guys own, have your own guys. Yeah. Do you understand that Igbo language and all yeah. of that? But when I heard it here, and I, I was at a concert, and just he came, and I think he just said one line. And kept quiet, and every other person would just yeah. recited. Yeah. And I was saying, both old, young, exactly. everyone was like, okay. It's like no word for word. It's like a kind of, it's, it's quite, quite. If you're insane. into that kind of music, yeah. you'll yeah. be fanatical about. Okay, about. well, we're coming to the end. This is the last question. You're not leaving us yet, but it's the last question. So, what would you advise any individual or young lawyer looking to learn more about the music industry? And are there any materials or courses or just anything that you would advise them to indulge in to gain more knowledge? Yeah, so this is like a perfect opportunity to plug in something. I'm working on a program uh, soon enough, uh, I believe before the third quarter of um, 2022. I think it is, it is good that, you know, from my many years of experience that I'm able to at least share a template that might work for other people that are passionate about this kind of law practice. So if you want to know more about the music business, I think you have to do like three major things. Um, you have to like read, or you know, just get information, which is getting closer to people that already work in that space. You know, if you have a big brother, a big sister, or like uh, anyone you admire that can sit you down from time to time. I have mine. <laughs> And he's yeah. in the studio. He's blushing already. Oh, you know, so, I said I have mine. He just stopped blushing. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, it, it's it's always good to have someone that is already working in that space. It helps. So I think the first thing is getting acquiring knowledge. So you could do that by having someone you can always talk to, and then you could go on YouTube. You know, sit down on YouTube for hours. There's a lot to learn from that. Then also you could get books. So knowledge is important and. I think the basic test is if you sit down with Don Jazz in a room, what can you tell him that will catch his attention? You're a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. You should be able to hold a conversation 30 minutes, one hour with Don Jazz or with any, even with David with Wiz. And that is how you can have relationships, which is number two. Knowledge about what you're interested in. So you, you want to work in film, music, comedy, or any area in entertainment or media or social media or digital media, whatever the case is, knowledge should be the major building block where you start from. So like myself, when I was studying, um, what would I do? I've qualified as a lawyer. How can I work in music? During my NYC year, I stumbled on the book that told me knowledge was number one. So the title of the book is How to Sack Your Boss. You could look for that book. <laughs> Yeah, I bought, I bought that book at I, the NYC camp. Please, if you see I have a copy, I need. <laughs> I, I don't think I have the book. Let them catch you, man. <laughs> but I think everybody should read that book because that, that was my working template there. From the jump, having an entrepreneurial mindset. So number one is knowledge. Number two is uh, building relationships because when you have this knowledge, yeah, you must be able to sit with the people you want to collaborate with and discuss anything about their business so and again just imagine if you went to the same school with um don jazzy or david and you guys were g's or if you uh, if you live on the same street with whiskey already that even if you're not going to be his lawyer but you already have one leg in 
and then you guys can roll together. It could also introduce people to you. And then number three, as a lawyer, the more you know, the more you know in terms of knowledge, the more people you know, you should also be able to amplify what you know, which is by way of creating content. Um, I think when people see you share valuable information, just automatically you have that benefit of the doubt that you know what you're saying. And then they can start to trust you because the more you give, the better your chances of receiving. So like the Bible says, give and you shall receive. Uh -huh. So you have to give, 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 give a lot. Like when I was a young lawyer, yeah, I'm still a young lawyer. <laughs> Excuse me. We're all young lawyers yeah. and I will not take any other title. I young agree. lawyers. Relax. Baby girl lawyer for yes, life. So for life. So, but what I mean is, when I was like a year, two years, three years at the bar, yeah, that's when I started my hustle, like this journey into the music business. How can I quickly accelerate my um, carving out a place where I can work in? So, but what I did is, the more I knew, the more relationships I had, I started blogging actively. And I must have share this with many people. I always beg people that tell me in my DMs, like, oh, I like what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. I tell them, okay, you have to start to learn. And when you start learning, you can't sit still or keep the information to yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to share because it is in your sharing that is when people will trust you. So when I was starting out, I used to be a noisemaker on Twitter. I, I was relentlessly sharing valuable <laughs> tips. I was engaging all the top guns, like all the big guys. I was tagging them. Anytime there's a scandal, yeah? I just pick it like, oh, one day he's fighting on Jazzy. I just weave like um, a thread. I don't think there were threads then, but yeah, yeah. But I just weave tweets around it. And then sometimes somebody will tweet it and it will just catch fire. Next thing you know, people are following me and then they're looking forward to that kind of information. So I did that very, very well. I started on Twitter and Facebook and then I started my own little blog. And then I discovered Instagram and I never looked back. I was trying to do Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> you still do Twitter because Twitter uh, is so... Uh, yeah, you could go it's viral. It's very hostile there and yeah. it's toxic, it's crazy. But information, because you can just type and you don't have to do any beautification of nice picture yeah. videos. It's very easy to be able to share information, but it's also very easy to be misinterpreted exactly. as well. So, so then is, that's not, the disclaimer I, I, on that. I, I, you start a war from trying to share information. <laughs> so the thing is with Twitter, yeah, I, I didn't leave it totally, but I just figured that it was very difficult to really get attention, except you're doing some kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. And then because of the algorithm or whatever, a lot of people do a lot of desperate things just to get attention. And um, I think during the pandemic, I totally like left it like, maybe I left it for like a year. So when I came back, it was kind of difficult to yes. adjust to what's going to buy. I still use it from time to time. So I think um, anyone who's listening, who is a young lawyer, a law graduate, I think if they start from those three things, acquiring knowledge, building relationships, and also sharing what you learn, being a giver. There's always somebody around you at your level that needs that information. And if you just share with them, um, it could affect their decision-making, help them make better decisions. 
that can help them, um, you know, advance with their career. And if you give information and people try it out, and then you're that guy, um, you start to develop a reputation. And I think outside of the work we do as lawyers, having a solid reputation or what people want to call brand is something to die for, really. Honestly. Because that will guarantee more opportunities in the future. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was a lot. Thanks so much. Thanks for that. Like literally from music catalog to building your brand. I hope you guys really listen because like I can hear me came. He came and he delivered. Mm-hmm. He delivered I'm some my gems. Collar, you can't see it. <laughs> you can't see it. Over delivered. Well, uh, in case you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss on this platform, please just visit our social media pages. On IG, we are at Legal Avenue Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Legal Avenue Pod. And you can shoot us an email, legalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. Well, our time is almost running out. But before we leave, is that beautiful moment. Legal takeaway of the day. Oh, and... Why are you this? Sorry, <laughs> I have to flex it. Hey, and it's going to be delivered by no other person but our wonderful guest in studio with us today. So give it away, sir. Okay, so I think um, the, the one thing I would like everybody to take away from this episode is the importance of having assets. I think um, anybody who is doing anything remarkable or worthy of note should find a way to create an intellectual property asset that can help extend the life of what they're up to. Like myself, uh, starting out this year, I just had it at the back of my mind that I would love to create um, assets that can fetch me passive income. So I've, 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 I've done one. I still have two more to go. So I created a program for record producers and beat makers. And even many years to come, that will still fetch money. Yeah. Because I'm teaching some people. I'm, div- I'm, I'm giving them a solution. And they're able to apply it and see changes in their, finance, in their finances or in their professional pursuits. Same thing. They will link that to music. Uh, musicians, songwriters, record producers, instrumentalists. They always create something original. They always create something that, you know, affects our way of living, affects, improves civilization. Like many years to come, people would remember what the music of Bonoboy, Whiskey, Davido did for them many years ago. So that is David Wee's Bonner. They've been able to create like assets, musical works. Um, they've been able to create a brand that would continually generate thousands, millions of dollars from here, you know, periodically. So in the same vein, if you are listening, think about it. Um, how can we, in a digital era like this, um, how can we create assets that can affect people's lives positively and how can we start to earn passive income from those assets same thing you guys are creating a podcast that can also you know generate hundreds of thousands of please oh <laughs> god we are looking yeah. for the money yeah. it will happen it will happen yeah. you know you're, you're building something Amen. it's, it's <laughs> a asset you can license it to sure. 
television companies, license it to radio stations. Mandy, are you taking notes? And, you know, a lot of money can be made as well. Amen to that. So that's what it is. Amen. So quick disclaimer, guys. Nothing discussed here constitutes as legal advice. It is strictly for educational purposes and entertainment purposes only. Our views are our own. And please always consult a legal practitioner for legal advice. And always, always pay your lawyers because... <laughs> we over-deserve it. <laughs> over. <laughs> well, you guys know that we can end this episode without appreciating the fans who have been sharing our content on social media, sending us private messages, encouraging us, pushing us. Shout out to everyone. Steady being in our matter. We see you all. We love you all. You all are the real MVPs. Well, we've come to the end of this episode. And although we are sad to leave, the light smiling. We love you. I can't wait to see you next. Why is Mandy always sad to leave? Like, we've done what we need to do. It's time to go. But she is always in love with you guys. Sad to leave. And I'm just like, okay, it's time to go. I don't understand. Because I'm a better person. Okay, fine. Bye, guys. Bye.